The biggest challenge is that frequently they don't see that there is a lack of leadership. All right, it's time for another episode of Grow the Dream today. Dr. Steve Steff and how to create the best possible company culture. You're going to learn some leadership tips that leadership blow your mind, stuff you can use. All that and more coming up right now. Welcome to the most indispensable show for people doing the hard work of growing your business. It's the marketing podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Welcome to Grow the Dream. All right, welcome to episode 72. 72. Big 72. Yep. And uh, it's different because uh, Josh is actually physically not in the room with us. I'm at my home studio, but you guys decided to get together without telling me this was supposed to be all remote. We were all supposed to be remote. Yeah, Just but see, out the loop. neither of us has that same amazing studio rig at home that you have. So we, we met up here because we would have better quality audio. It was a secret conspiracy. Oh, that's redundant. It was totally just a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a conspiracy, Josh. Well, since you guys are lame and don't have a brew of the day, I'm going to cover for you. Help us out. Today, we've got, oh, shoot. What is the name of this thing? <laughs> it's a delicious brew. Okay, so brew you baby? guys have heard... Um, a couple months back, we did this ad read because we were <laughs> in the search phase for a really good chocolate flavored, or no, I'm sorry, not chocolate flavored, chocolate. How would you describe this? Like a hint of chocolate in the coffee beans? Oh, yeah, natural. I remember that. Yeah. Except that that ad actually never made it to air. We, we that, yeah. Because it was so bad because we found out <laughs> that the company was actually flavoring the coffee yeah. artificially, which I am. Yeah, we chose not to. That. We didn't, dear listener, we chose not to expose you to that. Yes, you're welcome. It was bad. Yeah. So I've still been on the search, and it came time. We used up our five pounds of coffee that we had ordered. That <laughs> uh, was the city roast that we got a couple months back. And uh, so it was, all right, time to find another brew. So I went and did some research. It was like, you know, I found a, a thread on, on Reddit that was talking about beans that have natural um, undertones of, of chocolate and You know how Rod goes to sleep when we start talking <laughs> tech? Yeah. <laughs> Did you fall asleep when I'm talking chocolate and caramel? I did, yeah. So what do you what? have? <laughs> you fall asleep at that? That's still- I don't know. You started going all Reddit and stuff, and I started tipping over. I don't know. <laughs> okay, good for you guys. Anyway, I, 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 it was really tough to find. It was like all these, you know, small batch, really cool-looking online places, but I just didn't trust them. And so I went to Amazon, and I was like, whole bean coffee chocolate. And I knew I was going to get a bunch of stuff that was not helpful, but then hidden in the mass was a delicious... You're still trying to look it up, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, we'll do the news while you look it up, and then, and then you can fill us in on what your brew of the day is. Chocolatey. All righty. Josh is having chocolatey coffee. That, oh, that's a riot. We could have done that in eight words. Okay, so... <laughs> So uh, actually, so we have a great show today. We have uh, we have a guest, Dr. Steve Steff, who will be joining us here in just a few moments. Oh, really looking forward to that. Uh, which, uh, yeah, yeah, really good stuff. But uh, be before we studio for that, yeah, before we get to to uh, to Steve, let's talk about some of the news. Um, Rod, big tech deal this week. Yeah. So, every, all of our listeners will have heard of it by now. But Microsoft has bought LinkedIn. 
uh, for $26.2 billion in cash. Because, what? Yeah, I know, because they're one of those uh, you know, major tech companies that just has cash coming out the ears and just looking for the right purchases. So this is a big one, though, because... Um, you know, it, for one thing, it moves Microsoft further and further away from being, you know, your basic software maker, which is smart. They need to mo be moving away from that. Um, but my question, and it's a question to you guys, um, and even for our listeners, if they have input on this, we'd love to hear it. But what does this do to LinkedIn's 430 million users? What effects could it have? They're all upgrading to Windows 10 tomorrow. That's that's <laughs> well, what that would be Microsoft's fondest wish, I'm sure. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I, you know, I, I kind of feel like I don't know. You know, I know some people live and breathe LinkedIn because maybe they're recruiters or maybe they're in a job hunt. I, I just, I just, aside from those two groups of people, I don't know who spends much time there. I go, I look around, right. I post occasionally. But it's not like a place that I spend a lot of time. I know some people have done well with content on LinkedIn Pulse. And, you know, publishing. that's exactly right. I just don't. I just don't know. So, I, I my first thought was, why the heck is it worth twenty six point two billion to Microsoft? Right. Well, uh, it's, it's a pretty big and I think fairly involved, at least to some degree, user base. It's the second major tech acquisition. Like uh, Time did a story and they published a list of the top. Uh, uh, tech acquisitions in the last 15 years. The biggest one was EMC, which was purchased by Dell for $67 billion. I'm sorry, EMC? Yeah, you've never heard of them. Uh, no. LinkedIn was bought uh, for $26 billion. That's this one. WhatsApp was purchased by Facebook for $21.9 billion. Uh, <laughs> Dell was bought itself by Silver Lake Management for $21 billion. Uh, and then and and then the list goes on, and you can see you know a list of, of, of these acquisitions. This is on the scale of... Um, one of the biggest tech acquisitions of all time, and it makes no sense to me whatsoever. So why, why does it make you? Well, and keep in mind, LinkedIn has actually made a social network purchase in the past. Um, Yammer. Uh, yeah. Which, 2012. I've, what, I'm familiar with Yammer, but what do they even do? 1.2 billion. Yeah, which which all of us use Yammer every day. So, <clears throat> you know, that was a major part of it. I'm sorry, Microsoft acquired them, not LinkedIn. Microsoft. Did. Oh, that's right. Microsoft did buy uh, Yammer. That's true. I'd forgotten about well, that. Let me ask this. Doesn't Microsoft make a lot of money on their professional suites and um, catering to professionals and all too? You and mean like office? Companies? So enterprise? Yeah. I mean, their Azure uh, stuff, the cloud stuff, they're really Well, I'm just wondering if there's any sort of crossover there since, you know, LinkedIn is very much a you know, business to business full of professionals on there and whatnot. It's not your mass user. Type I'll tell thing. you why I think that uh, you may be right. That may be part of it. I think I, I think the, the one thing that I can point to that I believe may have a big value to Microsoft is the fact that LinkedIn has acquired a stable of some of the top data scientists in the world. You think it's about the data? You don't think it's no, about No, no, I think, think it's about the about, data scientists. You think it's about the brains. I do. I think it's I think this is an acquisition of talent. A well, that's twenty-six a pretty expensive billion one. dollar acquisition of talent. Well, I mean, I guess they can still continue to make money on I think I think LinkedIn without the data science has nowhere near that value. I think okay, the so data science by itself doesn't justify twenty-six billion, but when you add in what you just talked about, Rod, which is the business oriented user, and also the data set, because look, 400 and some odd million professionals as a social network, even though maybe only a fourth of them log in every month, right? Um, that's still a big, uh, that's still a big, a big deal. You know? I, th I think they belong together. Two very oh, so why, why poorly designed, bloated products <laughs> that have not been truly innovated in a way that users like in several years decided to team up. And I think it's 
Well, I'm I not sure that the second one, I agree with the first half. I'm not sure that the second half is, is accurate. I think there's a lot of LinkedIn users that are very happy with LinkedIn. We're, we're not among them. Uh, I just don't you're understand not among them, how but. you can have a product that looks like it was built 10 or 15 years ago based on design standards from then. I mean, like, how long is it going to take them to update their dang website? Anyway, it just um, seems like a basic thing to me. Also, don't forget, Microsoft owns a big stake in Facebook. So uh, they're... They do. Not know that. Yeah, yeah, they do. I yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Uh, which is why, for example, Bing is the you know, source of the search outside of Facebook. When you run a search and it offers you external results, it comes from being, it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But here's, here's one thing that I took away from this. The time story has uh, some quotes from the CEO of LinkedIn, who, uh, whose name is Weiner, I think uh, is how you pronounce it. It could be Weiner. I don't know. It's W-E-I. It's W-E-I-N-E-R. But, uh, <laughs> but he, he was talking about the reason that they sold to Microsoft. And, and, and so I'm going to pick up the quote here. He says, the second thing I focus on every day, there was a first, of course. The second thing I focus on every day is, quote, making our culture and values come to life. Ten years ago, had you asked me about culture and values, I would have rolled my eyes and recited a line from Tilbert. But when I started as CEO, I began to appreciate just how important they were. Culture and values provide the foundation upon which everything else is built. They are arguably our most important competitive advantage, and something that has grown to define us. It's one thing to change the world. It's another to do it in our own unique way. So I found that pretty fascinating. It was, and, of course, this is in the context of a broader statement that he was making about why they're a good fit with Microsoft. Um, so that culture almost is uh, joined at the hip with the idea of the brain purchase, too, because it's about people. It is about people. And we're going to talk about culture in your business today with our guest. And I thought that was a perfect tee-up for our conversation yeah, with Steve excellent. Steph. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it's a, it's kind of a fascinating thing. It's it was interesting to see a guy who he only took over what seven or eight years ago at LinkedIn, uh, so he hasn't been there for all that long. Two thousand eight, I guess, is when he t when he came in, and um, uh, he did not take over that day. But that's when he joined LinkedIn, and uh, so I think it's pretty interesting to hear him talk about the importance of culture and values. One thing I will say, LinkedIn is making money. So yeah, you, how about that? You can say what you want to about you know their UI and all the other stuff. But they do have cash uh, and profits. Well, LinkedIn ads work. Uh, Twitter ads still have not panned out, but they've uh, LinkedIn has found a way to have an effective ad platform. Right. Yeah. All right. We're gonna have to wind up our news segment here shortly, but I guess there was uh, there's another story. I think Rod, we should come back and do a whole segment on this this uh, particular idea, uh, maybe next week. Um, and that is the, the net neutrality. The, uh, uh, the court ruling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll just we'll just uh, tweak it and say. Um, that it is uh, the internet being treated like a utility was essentially the ruling, and uh, if that's a good idea or not. What does it mean? So mm -hmm. next week on Grow the Dream Show, uh, you can expect to hear us talk about that. Hey, last week was a blast. Oh, yeah. Jonah With Berger. Jonah, that was great. Fun to have him here on the day the book released. Yeah. So uh, and the it's, book with the gift color yeah, cover. It's off to a roaring start. And, <laughs> that gift uh, cover is so cool. Yeah, it is. We posted the video. I, he told us he would give us one, and he gave us one. So we posted it with the show. That was kind of fun. So if you missed episode seventy-one with Dr. Jonah Berger, uh, his book Invisible Influence, fantastic episode. And uh, so coming up next, uh, right after the break, we're going to have a conversation with the one and only Dr. Steve Steff. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this. Hey, did you know one of the major factors in search now, or becoming so, is speed and accessibility. And coolness, apparently. Yes, yes. I, I said I'm one not, of my shades. I'm not cool enough. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, keep going. 
Okay, I'm gonna keep going. So speed. So I like speed. Fast websites. I recently, had before both of you. Just saying. Recently, I drank the Kool Aid, and went switched to WP Engine, uh, on the Pitch.fm, and it was a smooth switch. Number oh, one, so easy, to which do. was super cool. Yeah, moving, it's great. moving a WordPress top. site, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, WordPress sites can be difficult to move. Yes. Not on WP Engine. Um, used a coupon, got a really sweet deal, paid for the whole year on one site. It's really, for how fast, like it's, I know it's boutique, like really, you know, nice. Yeah, it's more expensive than other shared hosting, but you know what? It kicks other shared hosting's tail. Right. Well, if you're getting traffic on your site or you're trying to get traffic or you've got this money site, like you should pretty much have that site on WP Engine. Because uh, the, the page, well, not only is it about experience for your users, um, but the SEO benefits um, from the big G and your own benefits. You know what? They uh, will yeah. upgrade your unsafe. Own yeah, yours. Oh, uh, they upgrade. Yeah, they upgrade uh, your your plugins for you. If uh, they're right. uh, if they're if there's security problems, uh, they watch all of that stuff. They do daily backups, instant uh, snap of your site. If you want to create a staging site, so you can tinker with something and change yeah, it and see it. Cool. I mean, it's really great. Love it. I love it. Love it. Uh, you can get started with WP Engine at gtdshow.com slash WP Engine. And I think there is a special deal right now of some kind. Uh, it's good. Yes, I think it's two months free. I think that's right. Something like that. So be cool like me. Check out WP Engine, gtdshow.com slash WP Engine. All right, and now on the line today we have our guest, Dr. Steve Steff, founder and president of Transforming Leadership, tleadership.com. Dr. Steff, how are you today? I'm wonderful, David. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's great to have you on. We are excited about this because, as you know, on our show, often we talk mostly about growth concepts. We talk about marketing. We talk I, about... I think we talk about growth concepts occasionally. <laughs> okay, Josh disagrees. But, you talk mostly about coffee, but go ahead. I'm yeah, with it's, you. Oh, he has heard the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... So, uh, but we're, we're here with our stated purpose, let's say it that way, to help entrepreneurs, business owners, and their teams grow. And, uh, but there's a, there, there are other sides to growing a business than just, you know, Than marketing. just the strategic sides of uh, what tactics are we using to grow things. Right. That too. And, yeah. uh, and so, and we've had other guests on the show who have helped us with things that may or may not be directly uh, marketing related. Although I think that today, today, there's nothing not marketing related about today. It's just that your expertise is in, among other things, creating and transforming culture uh, and helping yes. leaders do that. Yes. So uh, I, we're very interested in this today, and I know I know we're going to uh, have a fascinating conversation. Um, before we jump into culture and, and and the value and the meaning of culture to, to organizations and leaders, let's talk about you. Let's get a little let's get a little sense of your background. Okay, good. Um, gee whiz, as you said, founder, uh, um, CEO, transforming leadership. Right now, I've I've been in the um, behavior business, I guess you'd say, for about 25 years or so. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I've got a doctorate in uh, workplace leadership and ethics, uh, um, master's in counseling, master's in biblical studies, that type of thing. Uh, my my wow. passion, I guess, is helping leaders <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, become more effective. You know, I, I, I've spent all these years in the workplace. My ministry is in the workplace, and, and it is a ministry for me. But I spent all these years in the workplace working with uh, people in leadership roles that frequently were highly technically skilled, and 
they were still having challenges in their leadership role. So that, that really became a sweet spot for me, not only one, because I saw the need, but, but two, but just because I, I was so energized by working with these people, brilliant people, skilled people, but sometimes just missing a little something or overlooking a little something or, or misapplying a little something. And it allowed me the opportunity to come in conceivably not knowing anything about the industry and, and help them with some of the behaviors involved there and allowed me to have a part in their success. So, this, I mean, yeah, this sounds know, a lot like the email concepts. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Having, so, yeah, leaders that um, are good, not at every single discipline, they're good at particularly their skill and their trade, but not necessarily the other two sides of things, which administration and leadership, I don't, I don't remember what the three were, but it sounds like you're kind of delving into that. You know, it, that, that's a great observation. And the interesting thing about the E-Myth and the E-Myth Revisited, great books, by the way, Excellent. is they are, they are focused on the small business person. But the, but the same rules, will, if you will, the same paradigm applies. <clears throat> we're, we're working primarily with organizations. Well, two of our companies, one of them has 8,000 people, the other one has 9,000 people. So they're just little yeah. startups. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, they're just a little startup that, that <laughs> one, of them, one, of them, one of the startups I've been working with for 19 years now and the other one for nine years. Yeah. But oh, wow. they struggle with the same things. People move up within an organization frequently based on their technical skills. Yeah. But now they've moved into a leadership role, which requires an entirely different set of skills, and, and they don't really know how to do that. Okay, so let me ask you something on that, because I have personal experience with this. Um, I was working for a, 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 a smaller media company in which I was an executive, and it was, had been started by um, a husband and wife team. Mm -hmm. and, and they ran it from their kitchen table for a period of time. And then it kind of grew and it grew and they moved into bigger offices and bigger offices. Now they have papers all over the state of Florida um, and they have, I don't know, 80 to 100 employees. And, and by that, you don't mean that they're littering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of them probably are, but that's not the purpose of having them. No. And, and so and, and I watched as an executive who was you know, answering to the CEO there, um, I watched how, how his skill set still remained around the kitchen table. He yep, was still yep. running that company, and it was driving the rest of the executive team crazy. I mean, you know, he had CFOs, he had CTOs and all, but he was right down still to copy editing a lot of stuff and having his finger involved in every little detail. And last I knew, um, that was still the case, and that was really hampering things. And so a general question I have for you is, is so, uh, well, you'll get into the keys to how somebody like that changes who they are to a little bit. Because, I mean, knowing him, this would be a, a dramatic transformation for him to let go of a lot of things and let people, you know, that he's put in position do to things, which is probably one of the steps. But then also, are there some people that just really should just let go of the reins? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> I think one of our uh, most successful engagements Pardon me. One of our most successful engagements over the years was working with a franchise organization based out of Nashville, Tennessee, that the founder and CEO had to come to the realization that she really wasn't a CEO. You know, that, that wasn't her passion. Mm -hmm. That wasn't her skill box. Quite frankly, you know, it wasn't her interest at all. But she felt like letting go of that role uh, diminished her importance in the sure. company or, you know, and when, when she finally did relinquish that role and relinquish that title, moved into 
I'm going to call it chief brand officer, although that, that wasn't exactly her title. The company started to flourish then because sure. it got professional leadership in that leadership role. And she could still be the public face of the company. She absolutely, and, and the words that I gave her at the time is she was the Colonel Sanders of the company. Yeah, right. right. And yeah. so she's still, cause, because a lot of times, you know, when people start something from scratch, it's their baby. And absolutely. having somebody else run it, that's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like somebody else raising my Th kid. That's, that was exactly <laughs> our conversation. I, I think we've just solved yeah. my major business problem here. I just need to hire a CEO. There you go. Yeah. 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 Uh, well. But, but don't, we, don't we tend to promote people to the level of their incompetence anyway? I mean, don't we, isn't, that, isn't that like... Is that a true statement? That's a great question. Is that really true or is that one of those old uh, wives' tales things? I've never heard the, that statement. The Peter Principle, I, I think the Peter Principle still holds true, but, but again... Uh, frequently, it's our fault, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, true. And, and one of the reasons it's our fault is because we've nearly we've never clearly redefined the job. You know, if if um, if I'm an engineer and I work for a window manufacturing company, a big window manufacturing company, you know, and um, and I get promoted to where I'm the manager of all these engineers. Someone at some point needs to clearly redefine the job and how it's to be done for me. And I will tell you that very rarely happens. Uh, interesting. Now you're just the head engineer. Well, but that's not really the job. Right. You know? so, so let me bring you back around, Steve, about um, the principles. I think you were probably getting into them a little bit, and I might have derailed things. Some of the principles that need to be followed or how you work with somebody who is in the position of their company has grown, or, or maybe they just flat don't have good leadership skills, and they know it, and so they're coming to somebody like you, and they, you know, what what are the types of things you tell them to improve their leadership skills so that their their company or their organization can thrive? Because I assume this could apply to even things like uh, teams within a oh, company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because leadership is leadership. It's not it's not the technical skill. So whether it's a team of four or five or ten. Or whether it's the the CEO or COO or C whatever O uh, of a company of thousands, we're talking about leadership skills, not the specific technical skills. The biggest challenge is that frequently they don't see that there is a lack of leadership skill there. Right. So that's the first thing that we have to do is we have to clearly, or we have to clarify for them, the the breakdown is not in what you know. The breakdown is in the leadership skill part. And, and for some of the companies that I'm working with, we're taking someone that's making anywhere from uh, 80000 a year to a half million dollars a year and telling them, hey, well. You're you know, a bad manager. Yeah, you're, you're a bad, bad manager. leader. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's got to be tough. Essentially. You know, your people are not performing the way you want them to, not because you have the wrong people, but because they, they don't have leadership. And of course, the immediate response is, well, it's always worked for me in the past. That's why I've gotten where I am today. True. Yeah, that would be it. But the, yeah. but the paradigm changes as we grow. I mean, I've thought about this a lot. And, and we're, we're in this journey, right? Our, our business in particular went from being what could essentially, I mean, I called it consulting, which I know a lot of people think is just another word for unemployed. I, I called it... Um, I called it consulting, but it, but it was essentially a freelance business. You know, it was expertise, outsourced expertise, and and advisory work and that sort of stuff, along with some some level of services. To now trying to have what is more uh, what is more clearly defined as maybe a service company yes. at the moment. But um, my own role has necessarily had to shift. But I'm still that guy 
I'm still Rod's friend copy editing, right? I'm still the guy that's yep. got my finger in stuff where it shouldn't be, right? So yep. how do you help people arrive at the awareness? I mean, like, I, I'm aware. I'm, you know, first step is, hi, I'm David. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I lack leadership skills. <laughs> yeah, I, I have mean, a problem. But, I mean, how do you help? First of all, how do you help people become aware that they, that they, that they don't have those skills? Well, I mean, we may be talking about two different things, closely related but different things. One, and in the scenario that you just drew for us there, David, we have to determine what business are you in. Are you in the copyright business or are you in the business business? And and if you're in the business business, then your job every day when you get up, <clears throat> pardon me, is building your business. It's not in doing copyright. Now, you're going to have to do the copywriting in order to build the business. Someone is going to have to do the copywriting in order to build the business. But your priority at over the breakfast table is building the business. So, again, you haven't redefined your job. Same scenario as the manager or the head engineer guy. Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether you're over 300 people, 3,000 people, or three people. You've got to redefine the job. My, my job is not... You know, my, my primary job with transforming leadership is not executive coaching. My primary job with transforming leadership is building this business. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Taking it to the extra step there. So, you know, yeah. So uh, now I may have to do some of that coaching in the meantime, or Jeremiah might, or Tim might, or Steve might, or, or wherever. But, but my job over the breakfast table until, until I go to bed at night is building the business. Does that make sense? It does. How, how do you, when you coach people, you've been doing this for how many years again? Have you been coaching nine? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've been, I've been doing uh, mental health type work for about 25 years. So okay. anywhere from uh, uh, counselor to chaplain to coach. Yeah. Somewhere okay. in there. And, and specifically with businesses, some of these larger yes. companies. In Always in the, past. the workplace. Okay. Yes. So what, how do you actually teach? I mean, I, you know, you teach the content. I mean, obviously you're not going to give away everything in your course, but how much are you having, like, how do you actually teach people to change their, their mindset around this? What, what's the strategy other than just harping on it over and over again and like, you know, meeting them over and over again and telling them the same thing until <laughs> right. they get it through their brains. Right. Like, how do you Wait, actually, this does sound like counseling. And I know this sounds like <laughs> this goes into a bigger thing of like, how do you actually change people? Mm. Uh, yep. which is a whole nother. Well, but that's part of the essence of what we're right. talking about. I mean, if you're going to change a culture within an organization, you got to change the leaders, right? Right. And so the first thing that was identified was you have to, the person being coached has to recognize they have a need. And yeah. then that's step so, one. So, that's, so say you, you got Rod, to that. Rod, stop point. hijacking yep. my question. And then, so then I'm going, leading in here, helping Josh out. And so then once they, we got I, to that the question point, was clearly stated. Then we get to Josh's. Steve follows me. Then we get to Josh's question. Not everyone has a hard time understanding <laughs> millennials. Yeah, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I don't say? blame you, man. <laughs> no. I really don't. No, you know, you're, you're absolutely, first, you have to establish the need. I don't care whether you're selling cars or selling leadership. You have to establish the need. But, but the, the thing that you've got to get across to them is that, that eventually, now this, you're not going to open with this statement, but leadership is about relationship. It is always, always, always about relationship. And many of the people that have moved into leadership roles, again, you know, we'll go back 15 minutes. They moved in there because of their technical skills, whether they're financial skills or, or manufacturing or whatever they might be. So, so shifting my job 
from developing relationships and leveraging relationships. I'm sorry, shifting my job from, from the technical, let's say the financial. I'm, I'm the CFO now. I'm the COO now. Uh, shifting my job from that, that technical of, of financial or management or whatever it might be to where it's now relationship-oriented and leveraging those relationships, that's a huge paradigm shift for people. Because if it's the finance guy, that's what he thinks. He, he thinks finance. So, so you're solving people problems instead of like money problems or finance exactly. problems in this it, scenario. Trust me, you don't want to hire me to solve your money problems. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I, I can't solve my money problems. You said, but, but oh. the leadership breaks down because relationships break down. You know, I, I'll give you a real quick example. Uh, a company that I'm, you know, I know virtually everyone in this company, national company, or everyone in a leadership role in this national company, they went through a merger sometime back, and the CEO of company A was stepping down, and the CEO of company B was going to be the new CEO. So I'm talking to a, um, Chief ex, a chief officer in company A, the, the, the chief officer of the company that the CEO was moving, if you will. And the chief officer said to me, there's no loss as far as I'm concerned. I doubt that he even knows the name of my kids. Oh, wow. Now, I mean, I, we're, I'm sitting over lunch, and I, I hate to admit how, how taken aback I was. No, I believe it, though. But but the the impact of that statement was huge for me because he didn't say a thing about the business. Mm. His first response was, was was a relational response. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. truly. Wow. You know, he that, didn't that say anything about well, you know, this guy really knows the industry or you know that or that. None of that stuff. He he immediately went to I don't I doubt that he even knows the name of my kids. That's really telling. Now the guy commenting. It's probably making a couple hundred grand a year or more. Uh, the CEO that's leaving was making over a million a year. I mean, you know, th this wasn't this wasn't the guy. Don't don't misunderstand how I say this, but this wasn't the guy in the truck. Right. You know, this is a senior <laughs> leader in a in a national organization, and that's what was that was his first thought when he commented so on it. So interesting. Now, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have more with Dr. Steve Steff. We'll be talking about the importance, value of leadership, and how you can acquire leadership skills. Looking into culture? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Part of any healthy diet for an entrepreneur should involve some vitamins. You need supplements sometimes. You need, you need minerals at other times, but vitamins. You need inspiration. That's in right. Right to the cellular level. In t-shirt, <laughs> mug, or I re I don't poster recommend that you, form. Yeah, I don't recommend that you actually consume these, but it is cool to have some swag sitting around that reminds you about how awesome it can be. Man, I, I could go for some startup gummies. Do they have startup gummies on there? Ooh, boy, that would be that would be fun. That do, would do be you, fun. Do you, do you like gummy vitamins? Is that what you're saying? Oh, well, yeah, I was just thinking like, what, what would they be in the shape of? Uh, Inspirational. I don't gummy. know gummies i don't know but if you need posters brainstorm here posters, cool stuff inspirational yeah. things hoodies uh we should uh encourage you to check out what, what do they say what, startup what vitamins they say startup vitamins. uh ideas don't work unless you do innovate 
or die. Innovate or die. <laughs> Passion never fails. Never stop hacking. Quality is the best business plan. Uh, then there's that mug that keeps following me everywhere. Doesn't follow me. GSD, baby. Yeah. Experiment, fail, learn, repeat. Anyway, a lot of good stuff. Yep. Uh, lots of t-shirts. Like, like I say, you really do want to check this out. You can visit gtdshow.com slash startup. startup. Uh-huh. I almost goofed it up. It's gtdo... No. No. gtdshow.com slash startup. Startup. All right. We're back with more Grow the Dream Show and Dr. Steve Steff, president founder of Transforming Leadership. You can find him on the web at tleadership.com. Dr. Steph, I'm enjoying this so far. Yeah, so, I am as well, thanks. Um, I think Josh is anxious to move on to a subject that he brought up right before the break. Oh, yeah, let's hear about culture. It seems like where you're going with all of this is that uh, culture dictates a lot of what you're trying to kind of get at as being successful ta strategies um, to teach people leadership, that a lot of that is actually... Uh, culture related, but you're going to tell me more. Yeah, I, I we spend a lot of time working with organizations, you know, both on the individual level as we've just discussed, and then also on the on the organizational level, having to do with culture. And we've developed a, a huge, wonderful program, organizational DNA program. Uh, but but I'm going to turn around what you just said a little bit because it, it's really the way we behave and things like that that define our culture. It's okay. not our culture that defines these. It, it's these. It's these behaviors that define our culture. So I think that's where uh, some of our people in leadership roles kind of, there's a little bit of an oversight on their part is, you know, people say, well, your culture is defined by your core value statement. That's, that's just not true at all. Uh, no, uh, I've no, seen that's not true. Yeah, your, your core value statement is a Supposed to set the bar, or now let me let me even rephrase that. Your core value statement is supposed to identify the bar. Yeah. But what sets your culture is the behaviors within your organization. So you know, it, it, and, and the challenge is if we have a multi-level organization, and I realize that a lot of our listeners are are small and and medium business person. But, but even there, we have a multi-level organization. Um, the, the CEO and the board and let's say the executive team, they are firm, firm believers in, in this core values statement. You know, uh, We are this and this and this and this and this. That, that's wonderful. But then they've got a layer below them and they've got a layer below them. By the time you get to the third layer, nobody even knows what the core value statement is. <laughs> and 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 the the core values at layer three, the real core values, what I'm gonna what what we call in our organization the demonstrated core values, are determined by how people are treated and how decisions are made. Ouch. And, and what's rewarded within that organization. Right. So you're talking about reality as opposed I'm to talking about reality. I'm not talking mm -hmm. about the professed core values. Right. I'm talking about the demonstrated core you values. You know, that's almost For, reflective of most of our lives too. Oh uh, yeah, personally. no question. Yeah. Well, question. And, I, and I think maybe, in, especially in smaller organizations where, where someone may have started the company because they were, as we talked about earlier, maybe a technical, technically exactly. proficient type. Yeah. A lot of those folks, maybe they, they haven't even identified a core value statement. They're just trying to run their business, you know, like, hey, let's make money. Let's be successful. And they don't they're not aware they've created a culture. Am I exactly. right? Exactly. 
Yeah, but but they've got a culture, even if it's one person. You said it applies to our personal lives. Sure, it does. You know, you want to know about Steve Steph. You want to know what I look like and act like. You know, just read the New Testament. There I am, right there. You know. <laughs> yeah. but, so is that is yeah. that Judas or is that Peter? <laughs> careful, yeah, sure. But. But, but then you know, then you get somebody like David that actually knows me and has worked with me and stuff like that. And he's uh, saying exactly what part of the New Testament yeah, is that? Right. You know. Um, because my professed core values, well, I'm right there in the New Testament, but my demonstrated core values, they may be quite frankly back in the Old Testament. Yeah. You know? uh -huh. So, uh, so the, it, even if it's the one person, the challenge is as we grow in our business, we go from one person to two, we go from two to four, we go from four to 40 and 40 to 400, is we are growing frequently with our primary focus on growth without filtering that growth through these values that we say are, are, are so important to us. And now we have grown a business that we hardly recognize from a value standpoint. It may be worth a lot of money, but is it the business that if I were to take two pictures and hang them on my wall, one is me and one, of, one is my business, is it something that I'm going to be proud of and that I can compare the two? Frequently not. I have to read something. Steve, this has got me thinking about something. I got an article this morning from Seth Godin. If yeah. uh, any of our listeners are subscribers to his daily thing. This is just so fascinating, especially considering what you're talking about. It's titled, The Marketing We Deserve. Yep. We say we want sustainable packaging, but end up buying the one in fancy packaging instead. We say we want handmade local goods, but end up buying the cheap one because it's just as good. We say we want the truth, but end up buying hype. We say we want to hire for diversity of thought, culture, and background, but we end up hiring people who share our point of view in most things. And he, he goes on. Uh, but I really like that one that he just says, we, we say we want to hire for diversity, for thought, culture, and background, but we end up hiring people who share our point of view in most things. And we, when you started talking about culture, it got me thinking, okay, so inherently there's a culture, no matter where you're at in your business journey, you have a culture, you have a personality about you, you're going to tend to attract people like yourself yep. for those same reasons. But yet we're encouraged to have a diverse team with you know, many different factors, um, different, different cultural backgrounds, different culture that makes it unique. So how, how do you address that? You know, when our tendency is just to hire people like ourselves. The, the next line in, in the blog that you read is, we say we want to be treated with respect, but, and then I, now I'm going to step outside of the blog and say, but we, we treat people in the way, in the workplace, we treat people in the way that is most expedient. Maybe not always the most respectful. Mm hmm we, we treat people in the workplace frequently in the way that's most effective at the time. Maybe not always the most respectful. Not, maybe not always the way that, that perfectly aligns with our core values. So, so it, it comes back to that treatment thing. It comes back to the value thing. We, you know, we've got to define – I've got to define my values, David, and, and, and this is the way I'm going to behave regardless of the circumstances. And I will tell you that that's a difficult deal frequently you know but yeah so example being like we've got this deadline coming up this is a goal we've set for ourselves we're going to push our employees till we get there 
and maybe disregard some sort of other culture value that you have for, you know, let's say of, you know, work-life balance or something like that. Exactly. And, and in the meantime, and if it's a deadline and a thing like that, you know, there, there are exceptions where we get those employees together and we say, look, I'm sorry, but this is the case right now. I really need your help. So what, what we tend to do is we tend to move in the way that's fastest as opposed to frequently slowing down and say, okay, how can we get this accomplished in light of our core values? And I will tell you that there is almost always a way in light of our core values, but, but we frequently don't, don't pay attention to that. And the larger the company gets, we don't give it the time, I should say, to, to analyze that. And the larger the company gets, the more liable that is to happen because you've set the deadline, you have set the, the demand, but there is someone below you and possibly someone below them that is responsible for the, for the production. The execution so, of that. The, the execution, exactly. So and unless you are absolutely certain of the behaviors of that person two levels down, you don't really know what core values are being lived out. And, and what we typically measure and reward is something closer to lo- the execution of the thing. Rather yeah, exactly. Than- yeah. yeah. We're, we're measuring production not process all the time. So I have a question and then that two levels down and all. Um, uh, as far as motivating employees, because I go back to in the, the example that I had uh, that I gave earlier with this media company I was working for. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I mean, I love the ownership. They're great people and I still do. Um, but they, they obviously had a passion for their company and their, their company in a sense was, you know, their children were grown at this point and, and it was everything to them, right? But I think that they then had this expectation that all of their employees viewed their company the same way or should. It should yeah. be everything to them. And it, it was actually kind of obvious that there was that sort of expectation. Whereas with most of the employees, it was a job. Yeah. And so yeah. how do, number, number one, how do you help a leader, particularly one who's, who's an entrepreneur that's just started a company from scratch and it's their baby like that and it's their passion, um, sort of translate at least part of that passion and energy to their employees. And uh, number two, how do you make it more than just a job for the employees, which is both of those are obviously a part of changing culture. Sure. I, I think it boils down to policies, procedures, and personnel. Now, that, that sounds kind of trite, but, but it really does. It, in our personnel, particularly those in leadership or management roles, we just we must absolutely see that goes back. This goes back to the technical as opposed to the intangible again. We must make sure that we hire four core values. Now, I, I need to hire someone that is as technically proficient as possible for any given role. But there is someone out there, Josh, when I'm interviewing, I, I need to incorporate my core values in the interview process so that I am ensured that I hire someone that is in as close alignment with my core values as possible. That may not be the number one choice on the technical skill scale, but I need to accept as the senior leader that I'm hiring for both, not just the the absolutely most qualified technically, but the most qualified technically that aligns with who I say I am. Can because we... if I hire someone that's in conflict with who I say I am, then I have just diluted my bar. 
Can we can we drill down to like a super practical method that someone might use? Like let, let's say today somebody's listening, they're like, "Hey, I'm hiring right now. I have you know interviews scheduled next week." What what might they do that might help them discover that? Yeah, and do you have a company example too? I'm thinking of Southwest Airlines. They hire happy oh, yeah. people. They hire We're, happy people because that's their culture. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you another one is Davita. I don't know whether you're familiar with Davita or not. Davita is the largest kidney dialysis company in the nation, and you're thinking kidney dialysis. Yes, I'm core thinking values, that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, it is a huge, huge, huge core values based organization. And if you look at their growth curve over the last seven or eight, ten years un- under their current leadership, it's just it's off the charts. It's wonderful. And they have to that, spend a lot the of they lead. And they have to spend a lot of face time with people. I mean, dialysis is a very kind of hands-on deal, right? I mean, you're when when they onboard someone in a management or leadership role, about two-thirds of their of their onboarding is based on culture. Wow. Okay, so that's interesting. So I was talking to a company in town here uh, yesterday to the to the founder of it, and uh, they're, they're a, they're a, uh, they're a .com company. Actually, it's called Offers.com. There's going to be something in the paper about them um, in a few days, but they are growing like crazy. Uh, revenue at about 15% per month um, growth. Nice. And, yeah, exactly. And they're, I'm they, sorry. Tell me the name of that company. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Do they need culture? Uh-huh. They, um, <laughs> well, right now, they're doing what you're talking about doing, though. Um, in a lot of ways. And because I asked, because sometimes, you know, in certain communities, you have a hard time finding the right employees. Right. And so, so they're, they are, first of all, they're sort of a flat organization to start with and they're set up. But he says when they, when they're looking to hire people, they don't look at their experience. They don't look at their technical skills, except they do some AI stuff. Obviously you have to have AI software um, developers for that. But for a lot of it, what they're doing is he said, they're looking for passionate people who have great talent and positive outlooks. And he said, we can take that and, 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 you know, basically do wonders with them in our company because we allow them to find their place, sort of. And he said, every person they've had on there, no, on average, all the people that they've hired on at that level doing that have more than doubled their income from their previous job. There you go. Yeah. But because they have, they have fed into and built and buy into the culture. Right. So, exactly. so they're, so and they're they happy, were hired they're by culture, they're fulfilled in what they're doing. They're actualized in what they're doing. So they're going to keep doing it. Right. And so in a sense, they actually do take on a bit of that ownership in what they're doing. How do you it, judge somebody by personality, culture? I think this is getting good. back to what David yeah. was saying. Yeah. 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 Um, right. How do you do that right. in an interview process? All right. It, it's there. Most people get hired you know, uh, Rod, Josh, David, most people get hired because I like them, you know, well, I like this guy. Right. You know? sure. So depending on the size of the company, you may have one person that's doing the hiring, or you may have 10 people involved in the hiring process. A friend of mine just took a job in South Carolina that, that the whole hiring process was about a month long and it included projects and interviews and all sorts of stuff. But in that hiring process, whether it's one person or whether it's multiple people in multiple interviews, most people get hired because somebody liked them and because they could do the job. So people don't understand that in the interviewing process, people are not taught that in the interviewing process, my goal in the interviewing process is to eliminate people, not to find someone for the job. Because there are multiple, there's, there's tons of people out there for the job. So in the interview process, my goal is to eliminate people until there is nobody but you left. So <laughs> yeah. you must be the guy. Process of elimination. Never thought for, of uh, job hiring Exactly. Not uh-huh. the process of filling the seat, but the process of elimination. Interesting. So, 
So we're going into the interview process, most of us, you know, we, I've got a company that's got tons and tons of truck drivers and load builders. This guy just wants a driver. That's all he cares about. Well, but now you got a driver that, that doesn't align with the culture. He's got problems and this and that. Uh-huh. Well, you filled the seat, but now 90 days later, you got to fill it again. So, right, or or uh, he or he brings in poison for other employees or something yeah, because of his attitude. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so first we've got to get our arms around the fact that my job in the interviewing process, whether I'm the only interviewer or one of many, is to eliminate people from from the from the process. The the second thing we've got to do is we have to spend time designing our interview process so that we have values-based questions and scenarios in, in which to engage the interviewee. So I'm asking them questions that are relative to my job, but, but have a mm-hmm. values component in there to see what direction that interviewee goes uh, in, in their answering. What are a couple of example questions? I wanted to hear an example question, too. Exactly, that you would ask um, you know, a, a potential hire. To ferret out those those uh, both those things you're talking about both those levels. One one of you mentioned an important deadline coming up, and the fact is we're just not going to make this deadline. <laughs> you know, so now I'm, this 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 is going to be a real abbreviated uh, 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 real abbreviated sure. scenario. But we've got a deadline coming up in our business, and we're not going to make this deadline. And and I'm pushing the people, and we're doing everything we can to make this deadline. Um, but it's clear that we're not going to get there. So so. What do you do about that? You know, and now, gr- granted, I may, I probably should have spent two or three minutes painting that picture so that I I, I've got saying, a though. good, well-rounded question. Uh, we we even have a process that we teach for the interview process. You know, values-based interviewing, values-based selection, but but that's one of the scenarios. And then we're going to listen to this guy's answer. Does he beat his people harder? Does he go to the client or go to his boss and explain that, you know, I'm sorry as we can be, but under the circumstances, it's the best that could possible. You know, listen, listen right. to this guy's. He, he's going to communicate his values to you and his answer. Right. That's an excellent one. I can see that. And, you know, and although that was quick and easy off the top of my head, but th- that's what we need to invest time in prior to the interview is coming up with these difficult scenarios and allowing the interviewee to answer, the, to respond to the scenario because he will communicate his values to you in that process. Gotcha. All right. Thanks, Steve. Wow. So creating a culture isn't just about, you know, figuring out what systems you need to put in place to uh, measure and reward behaviors that, that create, you know, uh, the, 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 the core values, uh, being executed, like we're talking about, but culture also involves hiring. Uh, oh, yeah. what, what about, what, what about a high performance culture? How can you tell when a company has a high performance culture? Well, gee, well, you know, first of all, you look at the stock ticker, see how it's going there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, on, on that high performance culture, again, that goes back to, you know, what do they value? What do they reward? And, and, what do they really value, you know, and what do they really reward there and how do they treat people in the process? See, so it depends on how you're going to define high performance culture. You know, are you talking about making all the money that we can possibly make? Are you talking about being as productive as we can possibly be? Are you talking about making sure that people are as fulfilled as they can possibly be within that job? Yeah. Excellent. So those are all high performance answers. Yeah. I, I get the sense that you could talk at great length about these topics. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's I like just, you've been I doing this a while. Yeah, yeah I, this is three hour show, right? 
Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, let's come up with some more questions. Uh, boy, I, I, I think I think I've personally already gotten a ton of the uh, good good value out of this. So I, I appreciate you taking some time. Um, if a if a company wanted to um, to to look into coaching or maybe uh, other services that transforming leadership can provide, uh, how do they how do they find you? Uh, go to our website. You've been kind enough to mention before T as in transforming tleadership.com. Uh, um, click on the contact button. There's an info at tleadership.com link there. Drop us a note. We'd love to visit with you, whether you're a one-person company, whether you're a, a 15,000-person company. We would love to visit with you. We've got uh, different crews, different personnel for different size companies. Fantastic. Well, we appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, if there's one last tidbit you'd like to leave with a business owner who uh, might be thinking about increasing the performance of their company, what might that be? It's all about relationship. Well, that that's pretty straightforward right yeah. there. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we thank you for being with us today. Steve. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Thanks, gentlemen. Bless you. All right. That was fun. Yeah. Dr. Excellent. Stuff. I just love his insights. Tremendous. Hey, hey so so speaking of uh, fun stuff, Josh, did you ever uh, figure out what, what your brew is? <laughs> My coffee? <laughs> yes. It's Cafe Don Pablo. No way. You've heard of it? You've used it? You've drank it? No, but there was a restaurant chain called Don Pablo's, and we had a uh, one of their um, yeah. people was a client of ours. One of their uh, yeah, used to go there to eat all the time. Franchisees, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cafe Don Pablo. Yeah, so if you search on Amazon for it's, Cafe Don Pablo, cool. or use our link that we're going to put on Grow the Dream. Oh, we get a link? Support our show. Yeah, it's an Amazon link. Cool. Oh, fun. Okay, so check the show notes for today, and we'll uh, – oh, okay, it's Amazon, so of course, yeah. Yes, and they, they also have a light roast. Uh, I got the medium roast. Medium is, dark, I'm sorry. Medium is that dark. the signature blend? Um, I don't know. It's, it's Cafe Don Pablo Subtle Earth Organic, and it has a picture of the raw berries on the front. Ooh, it's the organic one. Mm, it is It is good, but it's not Subtle actually that bad of a price. Like, it's a decent price for – did your bag have cherries on the on the uh, photo of cherries, coffee cherries on the bag? Yeah. Did you not just hear me say raw coffee? Yeah, I did. I'm just looking at the bag and it has cherries on it. A lot of people don't know the bean comes from a cherry. Cool. All right, so <laughs> we're doing the tools segment now, and I was at an event this week in which I was talking to uh, the CEO and the founder of a very um, successful regional bank here that's been growing nicely now. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you were probably in a fancy place. Too. I was in a very fancy place called the Field Club. Oh, the Field Club, yes. At any rate, um, this, guy who's, this guy is, is, is obviously very, very good at what he does. But what I, what I just about choked on my Coke over was, <laughs> was, was when, Coke. when, I don't know, I, I bought my phone or something. I don't remember how it came up. So he mentions... That, yeah, he uses um, uh, his uh, whatever app he uses for his calendar. And then he asks his secretary to print it out and he puts it in his day planner that he carries around with him because he likes the day planner. And <laughs> he prints out from an app, he prints out his calendar. I, I don't know if it's daily or weekly. And it just shocked me. <laughs> No, Rod, I can that. actually picture you doing this. <laughs> yeah, but you can't because I'm way not that way. And he's probably, I don't think he's as old as me, actually. He's I could just see has myself that doing that, really. I, I, I carried a day timer, the, 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 like the registered trademark day timer, right. the real freaking deal for years. Right. And I loved they it. They were awfully useful. I, I always joked, if you if I lost it or left it somewhere, you could pick it up and, and you could live my life for me because it was all, 
Because I don't, I try not to to use my brain for things that I can avoid using it for. Right. Exactly. Right. So the calendar is one of those, but I just can't I, I, see it actually working today. You no, know, I have some other yeah. options. I have some alternatives. Okay, for tell those. Okay. What about them? Use the technology in your pocket. That <laughs> amazing phone that you spent several hundred dollars on. Uh, okay, so something sad happened two about two months ago, three months know. ago. Oh. I don't know when. Actually, yeah, Sunrise. Anybody use this app, Sunrise.am? Uh, I've never heard of it. My favorite calendar tool. Totally. I mean, it, it syncs with iCloud. It syncs with Google Calendar. Super great tool. But I won't go on and on about it because it's dying. Oh, because it was bought by Microsoft. Oh. Yes. So, yeah, speaking of things being purchased by Microsoft, Sunrise was one of them. And, and they uh, sunsetted yeah, so it right away. Huh? They're, they're sunsetting Sunrise. And apparently they're going to incorporate these features into Microsoft Outlook. Of course they so, are. Okay. So I wrote this blog post about... What you can do, here's some, you know, some alternatives to the Sunrise app. And so the first thing is the Sunrise team is like, hey, we're going to be incorporating these features into Microsoft Outlook. Puke. And, okay. I, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to look into this. So I download Microsoft Outlook. And, of course, it's one app that both handles a calendar and mail. So that's irritating right off the bat. I just need the calendar part of it. They have not incorporated any of the Sunrise features into Microsoft Outlook. So as of right now, that is a no recommend oh, other alternatives. Well, that would have been obvious, but that's okay. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you. I mean, I, yeah. I quit using I them. thought it was obvious too, but I thought, well, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I would do that too. I appreciate where you're coming from with that. I was an Exchange server user for many years. But oh, once I made the switch strange. to Google Apps, yeah. man, never looked back. Can If I were to complain i would say microsoft don't kill off the thing you purchased until you have those features actually working into a product because all of those people now need to transition and learn something new right well they sure as heck aren't going to microsoft outlook because it sucks yeah so we have to find another out and you know two years down the road when they finally incorporate all those features i'm not going to want to switch again i will have you figured out another tool that i like so yeah quick transition is what they needed there i mean if sunrise had any sort of a user base of size yeah Anyway, so anyway. let's talk about solutions. I'll, I'll suck. Okay, solutions. Fantastical. This is a calendar app that's meant to replace uh, iCal on your Mac and on your phone. The only downside is the price. It's like 50 bucks for this calendar app for um, your Mac. It's only $5 on your phone, though. So if you, know, you want to use just like the web client of Google Calendar on your PC, or even if you want to use iCal on your, I'm sorry, not PC, Mac, um, but then you just want to use something different on your app. Uh, it's pretty cool. So you reminded me about something. I misspoke here on a recent episode when I talked about the number of users that Mac OS has. So I said that Mac o- iOS, not not iOS, sorry, but the Mac OS represents less than 20% of all PC users. Yeah. It's actually less than 10%. So I just want to throw that in there as you're talking about, because 90% of our well, audience... That's still less than 20%. That was accurate. As much as we talk about Apple on here, I'm sure we probably lost most of the Microsoft listeners. Sorry. I'm just refining my, my, it my is statement yes, and saying that 90% of our listeners are probably not using Mac OS. So keep going. Oh, I'll bet well, our listeners a higher percentage web version do, of but. Google Calendar, so that's great. And I'd say a majority of our listeners probably use iPhones, so there you go. Another alternative is Plan. You guys can check that one out. Um, Plan. Then there's this really weird one called Rolo Calendar, and it's for people who don't like calendars. (laughs) They've described themselves as the calendar for people who don't use calendars. It's like this circular. Is it a blank one? Okay. 
<laughs> it's, it's really weird. You guys have to check this thing out. It's free. Different approach, huh? Uh, you can like scrub through time. Like, like you remember the iPod Classic the scroll wheel? Oh, the little scrub thing. Yeah, that was awesome. That's their UI for scrolling through time and seeing events. It's kind of weird. As a former like producer of stuff, the scrub wheel is like a very beloved uh, interface for me. So I kind of would like to check that out, except, oh, wait, is there an Android version? I don't think so. Never mind. Uh, this is rolotime.com. Huh? Okay. We're going we're gonna to link out to Josh's um, blog post on this, which was on the pitch.fm. So, so you've got all these items listed here and linked out to you, right? I do. Yeah, plan is a real interesting one. I didn't really talk much about that one, but you guys should definitely check that one out. Um, it's kind of a different approach that combines like your to-do list with your calendar. So instead of your to-do living in your email, which is a lot of you mm-hmm. know a lot of companies like like Gmail, Google is trying to do that. Uh, I like their approach. So something to keep an eye on. Interesting. All right. Well, I appreciate that. So we got quite a few tools to play with for your calendar if you're looking for something new. Don't miss today's show notes. You can find them on the web at growthedream.com/shows/slash zero seven two because this is episode seventy two. And all the show notes are there. You Also, we would like to hear from you, especially if you're an Android user and you're tired of hearing about all these iOS apps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> come on, people. Give me some support. You can tweet us at GTD Show. You can also send us an email, show at growthedream.com. You can reach my esteemed colleagues, including Josh Muccio, who is uh, drinking a lovely Cafe Don Pablo today. I just uh, finished it. It was delicious. Was it? Oh, man. I wish we were there to smell it really sorry yep uh so uh will you share it will you bring some in maybe next week mm, just an idea think about it okay so uh you can find him on twitter at uh, josh muccio it's j-o-s-h-m-u-c-c-i-o you can find him on chapsnat <laughs> never see able to say that right again uh, he's mucho hey we put your uh qr code in last week's show notes i saw that yeah i saw that I've never seen my QR code before. I was like, oh, that's what my QR code looks like. <laughs> it was so, amusing. I wish I could, I should have done the animated GIF of it because the pictures that you have rolling through there are pretty hilarious. But uh, you can find Rod Thompson on Twitter. He's uh, at Rod underscore Thompson. Remember, there's no P in Thompson. You can find David Johnson on Twitter at the David Johnson because he's the David Johnson, you know. That's right. Fun show, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. See ya next week. Lots of good stuff. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Grow the Dream Show. We invite you to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Get connected to our growing community, add your comments, ask questions, and listen to the archives on the web at growthedream.com slash show. 